Okay, second time lucky. We've already done this once and it didn't work. Right, folks, welcome back to the podcast. Got Simon Weir with me. Hello. Hello. Um, If you're wondering why we're sat in a hotel room in the middle of nowhere or outside Chester somewhere, um, we have been filming another couple of vids. We've done four already, haven't we? Uh, Four? Yes, we have done four. Over the last two days. We did two in... God, we did one in Peterborough Way. We did one... Hereford Way, yep. we've done one Clondovery Way, and we've done one Betsy Coyd Way. Yep. Or bet, bet is, bet is, right, easy for you to say. Yeah, lots of lots of W's and Y's and L's and a B and a W, yeah. Um, and now we're in Chester because tomorrow we're heading to the Peaks. Yep, going to Macclesfield and going up the Cat and Fiddle. All right, there we go. We're going to have a fiddle tomorrow. So um, I thought, as soon as we're together, let's do a bit of a podcast. I posted up on Patreon, and you lovely clan folk have given us some questions to get through. I'm not sure how long this one's going to go for. Maybe an hour and a half, two hours. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how we do. But um, let's arm ourselves anyway, mate. We've got some lovely lukewarm beer. Perfect. Slange. Cheers. Here's to your health. Right, so... What have you been up to, Simon, since the last time you come on a podcast? Um, well, I've stopped having a job, and now I just do this all the time. So, I'm not obviously sitting in hotel rooms drinking beer with, with strange with men. With strange men. No. Um, no, I'm spending all my time mostly writing, more travel books, um, planning tours for people, and I've been doing a fair bit of travel, mostly for research, but also just doing a bit of general touring. Just back from Switzerland, did Albania earlier in the year. You know. What's that like? What's Albania like? It is genuinely mental. Um, fantastic countryside, really scenic, crazy drivers, interesting roads, very interesting roads. In what sense? Like what? What good quality riding or or what? Yeah, a lot of the riding is great. Um, really nice, twisty, up and down roads. Very polished surfaces. I wouldn't like to ride a lot of them in the wet. Um, when the roads are good, they're very, very good. And when they're bad, they're awful. You know, I mean, just, you know, one mountain road, um, there are a couple of sections where from one side of the carriage to the other, probably a four foot fall, chewed up, covered in gravel, just awful. Obviously a, a landslide and it's just not been repaired. And you think, oh, that's good. I'll get onto good tarmac. No. Shocking for another few miles. Then go around the corner, it's like a racetrack. A couple of miles like that, then back on horror. Just inconsistent, you know. <laughs> so it sounds like some of the UK roads, to be honest. Yeah, it's like Kent, basically, but with Albanians. <laughs> it's, uh... With hills, as yeah. you said earlier. Yeah, <laughs> proper hills. Yeah. Um, right, so you've now just released this new book, haven't you? This is A to Z, uh, Britain for Bikers. Yes. Right, so what is the whole point of that book? Because you've done Bikers Britain, Bikers Britain Tours, Bikers Europe... Yeah, I mean, um, Bikers Britain initially was just a kind of rag bag of different routes. Bikers Britain, the tours, was a bit more considered, but really focusing on tours and longer rides. Then we did a, a second edition of Bikers Britain, which was, again, it was all sort of mostly day trips. And mm-hmm. Bikers Europe is all day trips. Um, but since running the website, I have saw that the most popular downloads were the shorter ones. Oh, okay. So um, this one, Britain for Bikers, is all hour and a half to two hour routes. The idea is that you know you don't have to have a B&B to do them. You don't have to take a whole day. If you've got a whole day's riding, go somewhere a bit further from your normal stomping ground and there's a 
a tried and tested route that you can do and still get home. You know, it's easier to fit into your life. Yeah, definitely. They're all like sort of two, two and a half hours, that sort of length, aren't they? Roughly. Mostly sort of 90 90 minutes to two hours, yeah. Yeah. And they all start and finish at a petrol station as well. So you can start with a fuel tank, brings you right back, you can fill up again and either go off and do another one or you can just head home, whatever. They're they're really decent folks. Genuinely, you know, we've we've done quite a few now, haven't we? Yeah. That's what, four we filmed today. We've done probably three or four beforehand. So, you know, we've probably got at least half a dozen, maybe eight that are done there's probably i think three edited and i have to get my finger out my bum and, and edit all the rest so there'll there'll be a playlist over on the main teapot one channel head there on youtube just teapot one just search teapot one teapot one bids and there there will be a list called a to z britain for bikers so go on there and all the vids are going to be there the aim eventually we want to try and like if we can get every single one if we can it would be good i mean there are a hundred of them it'll take a lot of time a long time a long time i mean it'll take a couple of days just to do northern ireland which (laughs) yeah yeah i'd love to get over and do that yeah i mean that's the plan eventually isn't it you know but uh, as ever fuel fuel is just astronomic at the moment isn't it Mm -hmm. we filled up both bikes gs standard gs and you've got the z kawasaki z1000sx 75 quid yeah, wasn't it for two tanks of fuel? That is insane, it's ridiculous. Yeah, but anyway, massive shout. Shall we give them a shout? Shall we give them a plug? Which one? Harper's. Oh well, we're plugging the book. I mean, Harper's yeah. are helping us um, do this. Yeah, they've helped fund this one, this this sort of three day trip today. So big yeah. shout out to Harper's. Thank you very much. Um, right, so. What are we going to do then for the rest of this chat on this? What, how do you want to do it? What do you want to do? I think you've got to do a sponsor shout-out, and then we'll answer a question. He's done this before. Right, let's do a sponsor shout-out. So, folks, as you know, the podcast and the channel, really, is supported by various sponsors, and the podcast itself was sponsored by Inov, first one. Inov, you know, they sponsor the main Teapot One channel. Inov specialise in dash cams, so uh, motorcycle dash cams. They have, well, they used to have the K2, but that's sort of superseded now by the K3. So they've got the K3 and the K5, which are two dual camera systems. The main difference is the K3 is 1080, the K5's got a 4K front camera and a, a 1080 rear camera. The K5 has faster Wi-Fi, both K3 and K5, they have Wi-Fi. They've got an external remote on there, so you can, you know, there's a little big silver button on it. As you're riding along, I use it for if there's a particular nice part of a road or something that happens in front of me, nice scenery, I hit that button and it automatically protects that segment of of footage. You know, whether it's one minute, three minute, five minute, 15 minute, whatever loop time you designate in the app, it'll protect that. So I, I know that is on the SD card. I can come back and, you know, whack that into my, into my vids if I want to. Um, it'll also automatically, it notes, it's got a sort of G sensor built in. So any sudden movements of the bike, whether that's acceleration, deceleration or impact, it records all that. And again, it protects it and puts in a little uh, file for you on your SD card. We all know if you get involved in an accident, first thing the insurance companies ask is, is there CCTV? They don't even ask about witnesses initially. It's, is there CCTV? So if you've got one of these systems fitted, then you can turn around and go, yes. Obviously, 
if it's your fault, then that is also going to be on on the uh, the camera. It records speed, it records GPS location, date, time, everything. So bear that in mind. However, for me, having been involved in a couple of incidents and had a had a couple where the other parties have contested it. With this sort of footage, it's your bang to rights. Everything is there for sure. So make sure you head to inov.co.uk. I have a designated link for you to use. So if you're listening to the podcast, check out the show notes. If you're watching the video just now, look at the vid description and the link there will be for you to use. And there is a code there as well, teapot, which will get you 5% off of all Inov and Techologic cameras. Again, look at the links down below. All the details are in there. So a massive shout out to Inoff. Right. You've done that before. That was supposed to be 30 seconds to a minute max. That's probably about five minutes later. Right, wake up, come back. Okay, so um, how about, I mean, do you want to have a general chit-chat or do you just want to crack on with questions and see where that takes us? Um, yeah, let's start with the question and see where that leads. Like it. Because like we'll it. go off on tangents anyway. No way, not us. No. Right, okay, so these are only from Patreon. First one, Justin, Geek and Cycle. Hello, Bruce and Simon. Always good to watch, listen to content from you both. Thank you very much, man. When I'm planning a trip, I try to strike a balance between efficiency and enjoyment. I generally have a set period of time to do my rides, and thus both are important. What balance do you, Simon, try to strike when creating your routes? Cheers both, and thank you for your time. I mean, the... For me, the priority is to pack as much good riding into the available time. Um, when you're so all of the all of the routes, like the ones we're doing from the the loops, all of the the trips are generally based around one or two key roads that I know I want to ride there and I want to ride there. I want to get those roads into the route. How do I join them up? What's the best way to join them up? Uh, normally, I will pick the start point. Um, somewhere sort of equal, equidistant between the, the two key roads that I'm focusing on. Yeah. And then I've just got to find the most fun way to join all, all of those together. That's very different when you're planning a tour. If you're doing a multi-day tour, um, you kind of focus on the destinations. Then it is, how do you break it up? Again, I always try to get as little motorway in the way as possible. So especially European ones, generally I'll, most of my, there are a whole section of, uh, pre-planned, I call them off-the-peg tours on on the website, um, and a lot of those start with maybe forty-five minutes, forty to sixty minutes of motorway to get clear of the tunnel. After that, I try not to touch um, dual carriageway at all, because I think if you're taking the time to go across Europe, every moment of that should be memorable. Every minute of it should be good fun. There is a compromise because you know, big chunks of it are quite flat and quite flowing, but you try and find the best roads on those flat flowing bits. I always, I just figure that if you're going to take the time out and spend the money to ride the bike, it should all be as good as you can make it. Yeah, definitely. I've got to say, you, you, you're kind of good at that, really. These, <laughs> these day rides, uh, every time we film one, uh, probably... Every second vid, I'm going, I think this is my favourite. This is my favourite. And now we've hit Wales. It's like, yeah, they're all good. 
<laughs> that I was mean, stunning. This afternoon's one has raised the bar. Well, I mean, honestly, I I thought I'd ridden in Wales a lot, and I thought I'd done all the staples, all the standard big hitters. We covered some roads today where I, I, I've never ridden before, and they were mainly A roads, weren't they? I know. Shame I, on you. And Shame I've never, on you. I've never, <laughs> I've ridden over here with lots of different groups and mates that have been here loads of times before, and we, we did roads that I've never, ever been on. And then also, we did roads in the opposite direction of what I've done them before. And it, that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Oh, it does. I mean, sometimes I don't do it very often, um, but sometimes I do what I call a balloon route where I'll start and you go up a road and it's so good that you can finish the route in the opposite direction. So it's like, you know, you've got to circle at the top, but that one road is the balloon string because yeah. it's good in both directions. Yeah, yeah. We actually did one of them today, didn't we? Biker Ma- Maya. Yeah. Um, off Instagram, Biker Maya. Make sure you give her a follow. She sort of specialises in Wales, Wales and Scotland tours, yeah. doesn't she? And she yeah. recommended a road to you. And yeah. I'd done that road before, but didn't realise till like halfway along it. I'm like, oh, I've done this, but the other direction. It's cracking, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's one of my favourite roads up here. But again, I've only ever ridden it in the other direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. And doing the way we went, you get that beautiful view of the sea as you come yeah. as you come over the moors. It's lovely. It's yeah. really, really decent. Absolutely cracking road. Right. Okay. Nice. Uh, decent question there, Justin. Thank you, mate. Next one. Louise Warsfold. Hope you're both well and enjoyed your recent trips away. Two questions. As Bruce believes in conspiracy theories, or oh yes, do you both believe that NASA really landed on the moon? And if not, how do you think they've covered it up? <laughs> uh, yes, they did. Job done. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do believe they they did it, but it, I'm dumbfounded by it because you look at the technology they had in the sixties. Yeah. I mean, I was going to say my watch, but you know, I've I've got an Apple Watch that's got more computing power than everything they used to put yeah. man on the moon. But, but I mean, that that's what made it such an incredible achievement. And you look at the the scale of the operation. Uh, I've, when you've done your trips to America, have you been to uh, Cape Kennedy? Yes, I've Canaveral? done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's astonishing. Um, and if you do the the Saturn launch thing, where you go in, and it's the original, you know, control room where they did the the full countdown, mm. and they've basically chopped the back wall off it and built a set of stairs. And you sit there, and you see how many guys it took monitoring all these things. Yeah, it was a huge operation. And now, yeah, your watch could do it. So, yeah, it wasn't an insane achievement, but it was only because they threw a lot of money and manpower at it. Why have they never gone back then? Uh, I think there's no oil. I think that's basically it. <laughs> there's, just, there's no money to be made by doing it. No, it costs a fortune. It's very difficult, very yeah, dangerous. Yeah. I mean, they they had a couple of disasters, didn't they, with the yeah. space program? Yeah. I think that probably quashed their appetite for it. And it cost millions upon millions yeah. of dollars to do it. And... Uh, but now they've got old Elon, haven't they? And um, yeah, and uh, oh god, uh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos, yeah, yeah, Bezos. The pair of them are doing it now, aren't they? And well, well yeah, private enterprise. They all, uh, it looks like we're going to Mars, doesn't it? Uh, I, I think Elon's hoping yeah. to go. He's yeah. talking about within. I think he's saying within 
by the end of the the like the 2020 so by like 2030 he's saying he thinks he will have people on mars but as in not joe bloggs but as in a team of a small team of qualified people yeah. on mars setting up some sort of habitation there that's mind-blowing yeah i've seen that matt damon film i'm yeah, not volunteering yeah. <laughs> <laughs> potatoes in your own poo nice yeah. <laughs> um yeah I, I i do believe we went right next one from louise secondly you have to ring a friend to try and get you out of jail what crime would you have committed and who are you calling are you walking free or juggling the soap <laughs> right go on him what uh, crime would you have committed Inevitably, it's going to be some kind of motoring offence. <laughs> I'm sure. Probably speeding. Um, not that I do it very often, viewers. Um, <laughs> I, I genuinely don't know. A lot uh, of blurring in these videos. That's all uh, I'm going to say. Or, or it could quite possibly be murder. Some middle lane hog. Uh, <laughs> but who would I call to get me out of jail? <sighs> I don't know. I mean... You know, I've got an Australian passport. It's in the genes. There's nothing I can do about convict. it. Convict. <laughs> no, mate. Settlers. Settlers, not convicts. Uh, right. What would I have committed? Uh, yeah. Oh, go on. Have you got more? No, I was just going to say, I thought you were going to move on to the next question. I thought, hang on. Yeah, we yeah, need yeah. to know what you would have done. I think, what would I, have, I think the old me, when I was in my previous employment, I had quite a short fuse. I think I'd I'd had a gutful of of people really. Um so it probably I probably would have strangled somebody for being stupid. But the new me the new me's a little bit more tolerant I think in general. Um so yeah, I think likewise mine would probably be some sort of motoring offence maybe. Yeah. Well, <laughs> probably maybe. bad parking maybe. Yeah, yeah bad parking. Uh or or saying something I shouldn't in an inappropriate place. You can go to jail for stuff like that these days. Um, yeah, yeah. Me thinking I'm being funny when I'm probably not. Failing your diversity training. Yes. yes. Who would I call? Two people. Either my mate Blackhead, because, you know, he's been to jail more times than, than anyone I know, and uh, he'd be able to figure that out. Or my mate Delboy, because he's quite a switched-on cookie. Uh, yeah, probably hip. Was that it? That was quite quick. Uh, are you walking free or juggling the soap? Uh, I am going to prison for nobody. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no way am I going to prison. No, thank you. Uh, best wishes and stay signy shied up. We'll do our very best, Louise. Thank you very much for your question. Uh, next one. Average Bikers in a Cave. How you doing, boys? Cracking podcast, that one, folks. They've been on my podcast. I've been on theirs. If you've not checked it out yet, make sure you check out Average Bikers in a Cave. Hello, chaps. Hope you're both behaving. <laughs> Having recently purchased Simon's latest book, I want to know if a fellow biker was arriving in Britain for only one road, what road would you tell them to experience? Saint oh, that's a very That's a really, really hard question. One road. Possibly the A87 route right. to the Isles uh-huh. in the Gary to Sky, Ooh. all the way up to Ewig. Is that the one that goes by? Um, is that the one that goes by uh, Glenfinnan? 
uh, with the the lock through the viewpoint. Is that the, the Glenfinnan? You, you can see the Glenfinnan viaduct, viaduct and no, it's got the Glenfinnan monument. No, that's the the Malagro. The that, yeah, sorry, yeah, oh, that does, yeah, that does go to Malag. It, it's mm. um, eighty seven goes by um, Thingy Castle, Achrat Castle. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, that's just a fabulous bit of tarmac. Um, Fast, smooth, flowing, scenic. I remember the first time we took um, photographer Chippy Wood from Bike Magazine, absolute legend. And we took him up there, and he's the most enthusiastic man you'll ever meet. And we had quite a long way to go. And he stopped, we've got to get a picture of this. Okay, Chip, yeah, do the picture. Taking the picture takes maybe 25 minutes to half an hour to get mm-hmm. one one frame by the time you've done many passes Many U turns gone past. Photographer is happy. Move on. We do that. Kit on. We'll get on. Two corners. Stop. We've got to get a picture of this in the background. There'll be more landscape around the corner. Not like this. It took forever. Where, where's Chippy from? Uh, Bratislava or something. Uh, yeah, by the sound of it. <laughs> uh, Chesterfield, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do accents. <laughs> But yeah, it it was one of those roads. Literally, every time you came around a different corner, you've got a different vista of Scottish loveliness. But the road itself that glues all of those views together is absolutely mind-melting. So that's probably the one I'd go for because it's got the full cocktail. Though some of the stuff we've been doing today in North Wales. Yeah. Wow. Some yeah. of it is pretty special, isn't it? Yeah. Um, my, I think mine is just off that, that 87... Just bef- I think it's just before Uchert Castle or maybe just after it. If you're heading to Sky, it's on the right. There's a junction. You turn right and it takes you over that famous bridge. bridge. Uh, what, over Kailescu? Yeah, that's the one. That's a, that's a lot further north. That's north of Wallapool. Yeah, well, that, that road takes you It takes you up to Wallapool. Eventually. And, all the way, yeah, yeah. and then all the way up like the west coast of Scotland. That's basically. called the North Coast 500. <laughs> yeah, but what's the road called? Um, it changes numbers. You've oh. got you've got quite a you've got that first run up through to Strathcarron, mm. um, and then carries up to Kinlochewe. Yeah. Go, goes all around the coast. Yeah. That's a great run. The one from Kinlochewe through Second Coast. Yeah, round. I love all that up there. All of it's good. Love it. All. Yeah. So the whole of the west coast of Scotland basically is what we're saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but there's not many roads up there, so just follow the main road. Keep the water on your left and go north. Yeah. Yeah. That one. You'd be fine. <laughs> You'll be right. You'll be right. Uh, what next one? Where are we? So that was average bikers in a cave. Cheers for that. Pete Power. How you doing, Pete? My old mate. Did some parts of Simon's Roots in Wales a few weeks ago. Does he input to a sat-nav or use good old maps? I, hmm. I start with paper. Um, sometimes I start with actually paper notes. Sometimes I start with paper maps. Um, then I start to put things together, and I use Mr. Google to put things roughly together. Um, then I put everything into sat-nav form. I use Garmin Basecamp. Um, Sorry. Yep. <laughs> you either love it or you hate it. Actually, that's not true. You either hate it or you really hate it. <laughs> um, but, you know, it for what I do, it's invaluable. Um, and then I always, I always test stuff. I either test it myself or I get a friend... Um, I've only got two, but yeah, I get keep them busy. Um, I get people to test the routes, and sometimes they'll come back and say, "Actually, that bit's crap." Now use this bit. Um, so everything is 
is written and tested so we know that it works. Um, but it all starts with paper, really. Um, I don't believe in just sort of heading off um, either. You can head off blindly, but then make a note of what you've done, write it down on a piece of paper, and then that's what you use. Um, or just kind of looking and guessing. It's got to be you know, planned properly. And I, because I'm ancient, I use paper for doing that. Um, Satnavs. Work of the devil, yeah. We've, the last two days, we've been joined up via intercoms. And um, all I'm hearing is Simon go, fucking Satnav, constantly. It It's, yeah, vexing me quite a lot, this one. Um, <laughs> do, do you want to give a, a comment at all on, on, on it? Or are you saving that? I'm, I'm still working out whether it's me not having set up. So I'm playing with the settings all, all the time. But right. my general verdict is that it's not as good as the one it replaced. That's all we're going to say on here. Watch the videos because you'll hear it. <laughs> if you watch closely the next one, you may see it hurtling into a bush. <laughs> right, next one. Debbie Clegg. Cheers for that, Pete. Thanks, Paul. Next one. Debbie Clegg. Hello. Question one. If aliens landed and they were inquisitive about our two-wheeled vehicles, which one would you recommend to them and Why? Uh, it depends. Is the mission here to get rid of the aliens or to make them stay? Yeah, we're friendly. We're being friendly. Okay. Um, I hate to say it, I'd probably send them off on your tractor. You would put alien life forms on a GS? Have you seen the face on it? It's probably unidentified. Um, <laughs> no, it, it's a frustrating thing because, you know, on many levels, everybody loves to hate the GS. Unless they've got one, because then they understand what's so good about it is that it's easy for everyone to ride. This isn't me saying this. I'm not saying this. Oh, it, it bloody hurts to say it, believe me. <laughs> <laughs> but it it is a bike that is very versatile and is very easy to handle. And you can take as much or as little of it as you want. Um it's a very flattering bike to ride because of the low centre of gravity and the, the way it makes its power. There are lots of other bikes that do other things. There are also bikes that do a similar thing. Some of them might do bits of it a bit better. But as a rounded package, uh, the bloody thing is very usable. I mean, it's been going for, what, 40 years now. Mm. That's a long product development. Every rough edge has been knocked off it. It's a very refined thing for doing what it does, which is to move middle-aged men from one place to another. I think I think Moses had a boxer engine on the Ark, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I would put I would put our alien friend on either now the, the Ninja H two. I've never ridden it. You have, but that's awesome. purely because I think it's like it's a particularly impressive feat of engineering, <laughs> or the super new Super Ducar, just because it's. To be the greatest road motorcycle available for mm. pure riding enjoyment, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean that, and equally, if you want when it to, works, if you wanted to get rid of them, <laughs> scare them off. If the same two things. If they've come here from another galaxy or another time, you hope yeah. they can handle a motorbike. Yeah, we'll you see. think they're sort of 15 parsec a second kind of light speed thing. They'd still go on the Super Duke and go, Jesus, that's fast. 
Who's Jesus? I'm an alien. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Debbie's got a second question. Also, question two. If you had to cook dinner for Martians, what would you cook for them? The film Paul is my inspiration. On your marks, cheeps, uh, cheers, keep smiling. Right. What would you cook for your alien friends? Uh, Mexican food. Really? Oh, yeah. I love Mexican food. Absolutely adore it. So someone that's never, ever been eaten Earth food before, you're going to give them Mexican yeah, something really, really brutally hot. You'll kill them. Well, the kill or cure. But the, they certainly wouldn't think, well, we can invade this planet easily. You think, Jesus, they eat that. Bacon roll with brown sauce. Oh. will be your friend forever. Oh, not brown sauce, no. Oh. Are you one of these freaks that has red? You are, oh, actually. Yeah, we I had, am, we yeah. had bacon this morning. It's not, no, no, it's got to be brown sauce with bacon. Oh. Has to be. Next, you'll be telling me you put milk in second and tea. Yeah, of course. No, no, no. Milk first. Milk first. To be honest, I don't drink tea anymore. It's a long time since I had a cup of tea. Just coffee. I'm a I'm a coffee man too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. Um, what was I going to say there about aliens? Aliens. Something about aliens. Brian Cox, Professor Brian Cox. Yes. I want him on the podcast. Okay, does he ride a bike? I, um, I'm not sure. Does anyone know if Brian Cox rides a bike? I, I DM'd him on Instagram and said, I, I love what you do. I'd love to have a conversation and a chat with you. I've got this podcast. But he's probably never, ever read it. Read it. <laughs> so if anyone knows him, put a word in. Do you know him? You know everybody. No, God, no. No. He knows everyone else. He plays keyboard. I, I don't, yes. I don't associate with that kind of musician. Are you a drummer or are you a guitarist? <laughs> I'm a guitarist. Well, even that's been questioned in the past. But <laughs> Right, shall we do another shout out? Yes. Okay. This week, I'm also sponsored. I'm, we, the podcast, are also sponsored by Ultimate Add-ons. Now, Ultimate Add-ons specialise in mobile phone and action camera cases and mounts. You've probably seen in all my bike review vids, or almost all the bike review vids, I use the, um, I think it's called the Helix Strap Mount. So it's just like a ratchet strap, basically, which goes around your handlebars or anywhere that you can get it. And then you attach the the phone case for whatever phone you've got, you attach that to the, to the mount. They're dustproof, they're waterproof, they're shockproof. I, using the Helix strap mount, I've had no vibration issues at all with my phone. I've been using that for, well, 2018, I started using Ultimate Add-on, so that's four years. Bought with my own money, you know, they've only come on board in the last year or two, actually, so I bought all that with my own money initially. Uh, The Helix strap mount is the only one I'm standing by because I've used another one of their mounts before and I had vibration issues with the camera, so I only swear by the Helix strap mount personally. Uh, the case itself, brilliant, totally protects your phone. I've had a couple of offs uh, with that on the bike before and my phone's fine. I've been smashed up, but the phone's been fine. Again, I've got a little discount for you. If you head to uh, the ultimateaddons.com, so it's ultimate, A-D-D-O-N-S, ultimateaddons.com, use the code TEAPOT110, so that's T-E-A-P-O-T-O-N-E, with the number 10, you'll get 10% off. Awesome. Right. Let's get back to it. So Debbie was the last one we chatted to. Ravenshead Rider. My mate Dave. How you doing, Dave? Hi to both of you. Strange questions, I suppose, but different to the norm. What's your favourite? Domino's or Pizza Hut? And what would you choose? Domino's. 
Yeah, probably Domino's. Got to be Domino's. Mm. My wife doesn't like Domino's. She prefers Pizza Hut. And it breaks my heart every time because I love Domino's, obviously. <laughs> what would you have? Um, the pepperoni. They, they do a very good, very heavy on the pepperoni, possibly with extra pepperoni. Do you like pepperoni? I do. Getting that impression. Uh, Texas barbecue. Oh, okay. Thin crust, deep pan. What would you go for? Oh, always thin crust, yeah. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. I don't like deep pan. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't. Pan. I don't like a bread. I want pizza. Do you not? Do you not? Do you not like like the stuffed crust as well, though? No, God no. No, no. you no. can get pepperoni stuffed in there if you wanted, or some sort of sausage. No. You love a bit of sausage. <laughs> not stuffed in me crust. I don't. <laughs> it's not hard. hard. No. Um, the best pizza I ever had was in a place called Maniago, which is the foothills of the Dolomites. I thought he was going to say, like, Peterborough. No, sadly. Weeble and I were doing uh, the photo shoot to support the ride guy to Italy. And we, Who's Weeble? Uh, the photographer that I worked with on ride. And Name drops. Name drops. So we, we rode through the through the mountains, came into this little town, and it was their town festival. So they had, they had Market Square, trellis tables, villages there. Fantastic. We thought we'd leave with the locals. And they were eating stuff out of styrofoam trays. And we thought... Let's go into that pizza restaurant. And it only sold pizza. No pasta. You want anything that isn't a pizza, you're in the wrong place. It was fantastic. So I'm still trying to engineer a trip back there to go to the same pizza restaurant. Do you have any routes around about that area? I can put some together if you want to come with me. Excellent. Absolutely. <laughs> Obviously, we can get Harper's to cover that one. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, dough balls. What's your, what's your opinion on dough balls? No, no, what? satanic. I'm not a fan. The, the single greatest food item ever: dough balls with butter. Oh, oh no. no, yeah. No. Um, there was someone else I was going to say. Uh, um, oh God, something about pe- Domino's pizza. Bugger. We were talking about concussions and the effect it has. I on know. Short term memory loss. Mine's horrendous now. <laughs> if I don't say it as soon as it comes into my, my head, it's, I'm never going to find it again. Um, okay, we'll see if that comes back to me. So you're going, you're going from, ah, I know what it was, Calzoni. What's your opinion on Calzonis? Love them. Love them. Now, to me, a Calzoni is just a folded pizza. Is it that is. right? Yeah. Is that all it is? Yeah. That's purely the difference. It's just folded over. Yeah. It just stays hot all the way over. So if you eat, I mean, it's not really an issue with me because I at quite high speed, but you know, some sometimes you get to the end of the pizza and it's starting going cold. That doesn't happen no, with calzone. Never. never. <laughs> I've heard it happens to some people. <laughs> doesn't happen in my house either. What size pizza do you get? Um, it's always, same as my gloves. What's the biggest you've got? <laughs> Like for honestly, for a fat bloke, you're going to think I'm lying here. I have the small. Really? Yeah. Oh, good God! I, I know, and I'm full. Obviously, I'm hungry about half an hour later. That's because you're having the the deep pan that is is like eating a loaf of bread. Probably is actually. Yeah. Yeah, but it's awesome. Yeah, but the best bit's the topping. Thin crust, more topping. No, see, I, I like the crust. I like the um the thick crust. So oh. I like. Yeah. Oh. That's why you like the dough balls. We've just had dinner and I'm like I'm salivating already. This is terrible. <laughs> right, cheers for that, Dave. Thanks, pal. Next one, Chris Murphy. 
Evening both. I'm off to Germany in September. Can you recommend any good rides around the Schwarzwald near Triburg area? We are there five, maybe six days, only because I'm taking my mate around some of the World War One sites and on the way back up. Or maybe recommend a route that follows the River Rhine up to Frankfurt. Any tips? Gratefully received. Basically, Chris would like a free tour planned for him, please. Yeah, yeah, the, the, that's that's what I charge money for. Um, <laughs> there are some routes on the website. Um, have, having just come back, is that SimonWheel.com? .co.uk. .co.uk. Yeah. Um, having just come back through um, Black Forest, um, yeah, they've slapped a lot of lowered speed limits. Not just through there, through a lot of the German forests. So, Felsenwald, uh, which is yeah the next one going north, uh, Odenwald as well. Um, quite a lot of lower limits. B five hundred has particularly suffered because, as well as seventies, there's some big chunks of fifty kilometer an hour on it. Um, down by Triburg, I mean, you've got to go up through Totmoos. Um, the road through there is fantastic. Um, the road that goes over the shoulder of Feldberg, which I think is the B317 or 371. It basically goes from Titisay over um, Feldberg. That's a great road. There's a lot of good riding around there. Um, the B500 is definitely not the only road in the in the Black Forest. Um, but also nip over the Rhine, you know. Spend 40 minutes just getting out the hills, crossing over and going through the Vosges as well. Um, going north along the Rhine is tricky. Don't do it on a Sunday because a lot of the roads uh, or the, the road along the Rhine, I believe, is still shut to bikes on Sundays. Yeah, they they do do that over there, don't they? They they shut certain roads just for uh, yeah. for bikes. Like only bikes are not allowed yeah. um, there. Usually on a Sunday. Yeah. Um, I think because of just too much hooligan behaviour. Seems to, I think it's probably more like journals, isn't it? It seems to be. It's what we've discussed over the last few days. Generally, all these reduced speed limits tend to be in areas where the journalists have been hurtling around, getting lots of pictures. It seems to be a common theme. We always go very slowly when getting pictures, you know. When you watch the videos, you might notice that the speedos aren't working. All the rest of the pictures fine, but the uh, speedos seem to be miraculously blurred a lot of the time. Generally, when we're talking about taking it easy and um, making sure you don't take the mick in certain places. Yeah, that was taking it easy. (laughs) Hanging on for dear life. A lot of fun, but hanging on (laughs) for dear life. Um, Right, need another question. I need another beer. um, Stand by, I'm going to grab a beer. I'm going to grab the bottle opener. Thanks, Shane. Sorry, I'm back. That was very rude of me. You can edit this out, surely. No, we'll keep this one in. Thank you. Oh, oh. this is going to be hard to do. Thank you kindly, sir. Notice the not brew dog. This is Peroni. I've kept my brew dog at home. <laughs> Oh, I'm not feeling special now. <laughs> well, I just thought cans, cans. I brought, I brought a crate of beer in my panniers all the way from home, and I thought the cans would would shuggle around a lot. Yeah. That's my excuse, and I'll stick to it. Mm. Next question. That was Ravenshead Rider. Oh no, that was Chris, Chris Murphy. Okay, next one, Simon Orm. Actually, Chris, if you want ideas on where to go. 
check out Sai's website, honestly. Um, are the European ones on your website? Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. There's a whole section okay. of European day trips. Okay. Right, yeah. So head there, simonweir.co.uk, and have a look there, because for 95p, you might be able to um, find some cracking little routes there. Right, it's my plug. I need commission on this, by the way. Yeah, yeah. it's awesome. Beer. Yeah, it is. Actually, he's, he's paying for the hotel. So, yeah, that's my commission. Uh, Simon Orm. How do Bruce and Simon? Hope you're both well and living life to the fullest. Apologies. Oh, this sounds interesting. Two questions. Question one. If you were told that you could never venture into Somerset, Devon and Cornwall again, but you could have one last ride before the ban was in place, where would you go? A39 from Minehead all the way down pretty much the land's end, and I would cane the living arse out of it. Yeah, exactly the same, but um, I'd then take that little B-road that goes around from St. Ives around to land's end at the very bottom. But you only had one road. Only one road. road. Oh, 839 then. It was one road, wasn't it? Oh, no. One last ride. Okay, so it could be a couple of... Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I'd do that too, all the way down. And then all the way back up and across um, Dartmoor. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, got to do Dartmoor. Dartmoor's good. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Yeah, I think the A39, um, I think if if you do it responsibly, it can be a little bit hmm, in places. The top bit on the way to Minehead across the the moor at the top there, that's mint. I love that. Yeah. It's that run from Porlock over to um, Lynmouth. Yeah. And you go down Countersbury Hill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although the the surface on that, when I was there last year, uh, the surface at the bottom was bloody shocking. Really gravelly and nasty. Mm. Um, but yeah, the A39 the coast all the way down to like Land's End, basically, more or less. If you've got a bit of a death wish and you're not worried about the speed limits, what a road. What yeah. a road. When you raise the tempo a little bit, not that we're condoning any of that, Wow, I mean, wow. just the just the climb out of Porlock, mm. you know, a couple of hairpins, and it's such it's such an abrupt shock because you come through Minehead and it's all quite flat and yeah, yeah. a little bit up, a little bit down, and whoop, bloody alpine corners, and then you're off. Fantastic. That'll be the one. Uh, question two: Whilst riding, I find that the backs of my knees gather a large amount of sebum. What's sebum? I have no idea. S-E-B-U-M, sebum. Wow. Whilst riding, I find that the backs of my knees gather a large amount of sebum. Other than cutting holes or vents in the backs of my trousers, how can I prevent or alleviate this soggy predicament? Is that sweat? I'm assuming that's sweat, yes. Um, Sweaty knees? You get sweat at the back of your knees. Do you get that? No. No, I don't. Is it it a menopause thing? (laughs) I don't know. The back of my knees get sweaty. I mean, do you have hairy palms as well? I mean, it's honestly, Simon, go to your doctor, mate. I have never yeah. ever heard of that before, ever. Does anyone else get sweaty back of knees? No, not riding a bike. Could be a prostate issue. You think everything's a prostate? That's what he keeps telling me, anyway. <laughs> I'm not the one who has to stop for a pee every 20 minutes <laughs> Every 10 I've been terrible, god yeah, yeah. That's a prostate issue, Bruce See your yeah. doctor <laughs> Well, I've had it for like 10 years I'm still here, so I will um, Yeah, I mean, honestly, Simon I have never heard of anyone getting sweaty back of knees I mean, like, do you wear woolen under trousers? Under your trousers? Or what is yeah. going on there? 
Anyone else get soggy back of knees? Let me know in the comments. I mean, I would suggest the secret is get a nappy. Maybe it's that bad. Wrap a nappy around the back of your knees, that'll soak it up. I was going to say something like talcum powder. Well, that might work too. Yeah, yeah. Nappy fetish. Uh, Nick, oh, here we go. Mark Fulcher. Help me, docs. How you doing, Mark? So, a couple of questions to you both. Mark, who I went to the TT with, uh-huh. him and his dad and his mate. If you, had, if you had the opportunity to choose a section of road in the UK to transform into a yearly motorcycle race, yes, we were talking about this. We were talking Which about this. Which section of road would you choose? Obviously, the Isle of Man is exempt. As we all know, that's the best circuit on God's green earth. Mm-hmm. Right. Anywhere in the UK for a road race, where? Cadwell. But not Cadwell. Around Cadwell. So, yeah. So basically there's a road through there, the B2125 or something, um, called Caister High Street. Runs from just outside Horncastle up to Caister. And so I would use a chunk of that that goes up to near Willingham Woods. Then you cut over to Louth, then come back down past um, Cadwell. And then back up. So a nice triangular circuit with whoops, jumps, crests. You know, that would be awesome. I think I've done some of that when I was at the Superbike School. It was amazing. Yeah, it just just a fantastic, fantastic. All round there, there's area. so many good roads, aren't there? All round Cadwell. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and also, the best thing is, you get a decent bloody sausage in a bun when you're spectating. <laughs> Where? In Lincolnshire. You can't get a bad sausage in Lincolnshire. <laughs> I've never sampled a sausage in Lincolnshire, oh, personally. Honestly, we're obsessed. <laughs> uh, right, for me, oh, where, where would where would be? There were places today that we thought yeah. would be awesome. In fact, that where they were talking about having the, the, the Welsh road race, we yeah. went over that military road, didn't we? And, yeah. and that would be amazing if that was a like a, a proper... A proper time trial type place. I don't think you'd be able to actually have a race no. where you go in elbow to elbow. But if people did like a Pikes Peak time trial, that would be a cracking stretch. Yeah. Um, God, there's so many though. There's so many places I've been to where I thought, God, this would be phenomenal. Elbow to elbow. Not me, but anyone that could actually ride <laughs> elbow to elbow up there. Um, there's loads of Scotland, isn't there? There's there's loads of places in Scotland. God. Can you imagine the St. Mary's Lock Road with racing superbikes? Yeah. Where's St. Mary's Lock? Where's that? Um, between Moffat and Selkirk. Ah, okay. Right, right, right. <sighs> Good grief. Yeah, it's cracking around there. I tell you I tell you where. Um, again, it's gone out my blooming head. Oh, this is terrible. Think smart. Think. Uh, ah, yes. When Chops and I, when Lamb Chops and I did the, the fish hunt, the best fish and chips, we did a road that led out to what's famous fish and chip place? Is that Grimsby? Uh, or Whitby. Whitby. There was yeah. a road that headed all out to Whitby across moors that we did. Yeah. And we, we did it fairly rapid. That would be a, 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 just an amazing road race stretch of road. Can't remember what it's called, but watch the the um, fish and chips big hunt episode. Well, the first episode, I think it's on that one. Amazing, amazing stretch of road. Uh, yeah, that'll do me. Any others? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Wes. And I'm Beth. And we're the hosts of the Where Our Minds Wander podcast. 
We love spooky places, morbid tales, and unsolved mysteries. Throw in some weird science, cryptids, and ancient legends, and you have entered where our minds wander. Join us each week as we delve into fascinating true stories from the supernatural to the naturally weird. Get your favorite beverage, settle into your comfy chair, and journey with us to where our minds wander. Listen and subscribe to Where Our Minds Wander on all your favorite podcast listening platforms. I mean, there's one you could do in every county. I mean, pretty much is, isn't there? The the other one that would be good is if you did the sort of um, triangle up from Alston to Middleton Teesdale up to um, Stanhope and then back to Alston. That would be that would be a great ride. Do you think they ever will? Do you think they'll ever introduce another road race? No, no, on mainland UK. I don't think so. I think there's, you know, the fact that you can't actually do 60 mile an hour on 60 mile an hour roads, they're all 40s and 50s. That suggests they're not going to, there's no appetite for the risk involved with road racing. But there's no appetite, there's no appetite for the TT from those that don't follow it and love it. No, this is true. Like this year, sadly, we've had a number of deaths, haven't we? We lost quite a few people this year. I think there was five just in the racing alone. Um, and there was a big furor and uproar back here on the mainland with regards yeah. to that. Yeah, there always is. Mm. Um, and I think that's why, you know, it's one thing to maintain something that's got heritage and tradition. It's another thing to try and start a new yeah. tradition. Yeah. And that's why I think you'll, you'll see it return. I think that the guys did really well to bring it back to Scarborough, yeah. to, to Oliver's Mount. And I think that's as much as you're going to get. Mm. Yeah, sadly, I think you're right. Really, they have tried a number of times, haven't they? They tried the mm. the Welsh, the Wales one, um, yeah. which turned out to be a Con. slightly dodgy. <laughs> yeah, um, but they spoke about the Isle of Wight. That that's not happening. Yeah. Um, I think they tried to get one up and running in Scotland at one point a couple of years ago. Well, yeah. a few years ago, and again, it, it's always it's just not getting the like the local council support. No. Is it? It's I mean, not getting by that stage. There was a stage there was lots of talk about trying to get a, a road circuit through London for Yes, for um, Formula One. For F one, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, obviously that But do you know happen. why that that didn't happen? I, I was they, there for they the test one make of them, that. The ULEZ compatible? Uh no. Um what I heard was at the time you could not in main in the mainland UK, you could not shut public roads purely for uh, a, 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 a competition event, like a racing event, which I didn't understand, a motorsports event, because they were shutting them left, right, and center for pedal cycles. Yeah. But they are pedal cycles. They're not motorsports. So that's how they were getting around. However, they did introduce an amendment to that law, that act, um, which would allow it. And I know Boris, the bumbling fool, was... Um, Sorry, we shouldn't get political. Uh, Boris was very much in favour of a London F1 event, mm. but it's as yet not happened. But that would be amazing. I did, I did the sort of <clears throat> the taster of that mm. about back in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, where we had Formula One cars careering up and down Regent Street, and it was insane. It was amazing. The noise, just the noise alone was phenomenal. God, to see them race would just be nuts. 
I mean, to be honest, you know, I, I dispatched to London at the <laughs> end of the 80s. We had a Grand Prix at every set of traffic yeah, lights. Yeah. It's always a race in commuting in London, isn't it? In some form or another. Um, yeah, I, I would love to see more road racing in the UK. I, I, I love it. I, I could never do it myself. I haven't got the bollocks and I haven't got the skills. But I, I love watching it and I love being around it and part of it as much as I possibly can. I would love to see that in the UK, but I can't see it happening, sadly. Uh, second question from Mark. What is the etiquette when having to fart on the bike? I'm a shuffle to the left slightly and raise a cheek sort of guy, but wondered what the general consensus is. Keep That's up the good work, gents. Shiny side up. Uh, That's what humpback bridges are for, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Just save it up, get a bit of air (laughs) in both senses. Do you know Genuinely, I can't, I don't remember ever needing to fart on a bike. I think it probably just comes out. I think it depends if you've got a pill and you, yeah, you've got a pill and you've got to be a bit more discreet, haven't you? <laughs> we can uh, just blame it on the cows. <laughs> Sorry for you. You'd never, well, you would smell it now. I would smell it now, yeah. yeah. Simon's just had an operation on his nose so you can actually smell for yeah. the first time in how long? About 30 years without a sense of smell. <laughs> and now I smell things. I drive, you know, I'm in the car with my girlfriend. I go, and I, go I, I can smell what going past. Can I smell, it's poo. Feel the pigs, it's poo. So the whole world to Simon now just smells of various types of poo. I'm having to learn what smells are again. I don't know what that smell is. Well, that that's coffee, that's perfume, that's poo. Mostly it's just poo. That was funny today, wasn't it? You were like, I, I went, oh, smell that. And you went, what is that? Is that poo? And I was like, no, that's cannabis, Simon. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's... Uh, I feel I've had a very sheltered life in that respect. <laughs> no, not going by what you were saying earlier. Anyway, uh, cheers, Mark. Thank you very much for that, pal. Much appreciated. Next one, Simon Lewis. Hi, Bruce and Simon. Hope you're both well and travels are going good. So when I plan a route, it's normally based around cake stops. Good lad. Ooh. What decides What decides where you stop, cake, scenery, or time? Oh, well, I... Tr- Bruce has been suffering my working route planning today. So that was on the road at 7.30, off the bikes at 7, um, and not much time off in between. Um, when I'm planning non-work trips or trips for, for people, time is a big factor. I try and make sure that there is a stop every 60 to 80 minutes yeah, yeah at the most. Um, you know, I normally look at trying to put a stop in every 40 miles um, so then it's a case of trying to break the route up into sensible chunks so that you've got a great ride for 40 minutes and you stop somewhere um, whether it's something interesting to see something yeah a, a high quality calf sometimes i'll just throw a petrol stop in um sort of between lunch and afternoon coffee as much to get a leg stretch because the one thing i don't want is people riding all day and getting off with aches because if you get, once you start to ache, that ache doesn't go away. And if you start to ache on day one, hmm. that ache will come back faster on day two. And by day seven, you know, you'll be on the bike and after 10 minutes you'll be aching. So um, I always try and plan the stops properly for comfort. You know, comfort breaks not the sense of having a pee, just so that you don't get stiff or achy anywhere. In terms of food... Quality of cake is is a good thing. Quality of bacon sandwich is much more important, though. You've got to have a good bacon roll. Do you not find outside of the UK it's very hard to find good bacon? 
oh yeah, this is the only country that knows that. Ah. Forget what the Danish tell you. This is the only country yeah, that yeah. does bacon. Yeah. yeah. And sausages too. <laughs> Loves a sausage. Yeah. Loves a sausage. Uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like I, my own riding for me personally is very much just get on the bike and ride. And I, I very personally, I very rarely stop. I'll stop for fuel and, and the odd picture if I remember. But otherwise, if I'm just me, I just want to be riding the bike. I just I just enjoy that. However, same as you, when I'm taking punters away on one of the chicken strips tours, chickenstrips.co.uk, by the way, um, for that, you know, we're on the bike about half nine in the morning no, normally and generally in a hotel by half five, six. Um, I, same as you, we'll, we'll leave at half nine. By 11, we'll probably be looking at a, a coffee stop somewhere. Yeah. That one is generally somewhere I know does a good coffee, just so. It's it's right on the good roads, and it's just a nice coffee. People can get off. Folk are normally just buzzing because they've started the day on the great roads, generally in the Picos. Uh, lunch is normally somewhere we've found in previous trips where I know you're going to get some decent grub. Uh, and then in the afternoon, yeah, probably I'll do one more stop in the afternoon just for um, getting a breather, basically, before you slide into the hotel and the festivities start in the evening. Yeah. Um, so for me, for me personally, on my trips, it's all about the riding, really. There's not much. The scenery is part of the day. The roads go through stunning scenery. So, you know, you, you'll, you'll do the stops so people can get the obligatory shots, pictures. But um, stop-wise is just... Somewhere close to where the road is, yeah. and, and off you go. Well, the quality of catering does matter. And I have to say, there is one particular stop in... There's a town in, outside Madrid called El Escorial de San Lorenzo, um, which, yeah, there's a big monastery there. looks like Hogwarts. <laughs> and I diverted once. You know, where's the nearest petrol? Took me off the, the main road into an industrial estate, filled up. I was like, oh, there's some people sat outside a cafe over there. We'll go over there. It wasn't a cafe. It was a bakery with about six meters of the most incredible cakes I've ever seen in my life. So I never go back to that corner of Spain without going to that bakery in San, I can't, uh, San Lorenzo. I can't wait till we film one of the routes down there then. <laughs> awesome. You would not believe the quality of the cakes. There was, there was a place. We were chatting about that. That quarry road, you know, in, up in the mm. Picos, just can't remember what it, which one it was. But the first time I did that road was genuinely, I was I was a bit lost. I think we'd, we'd been doing the normal route and then that road was shut because of roadworks and there was yeah. some sort of dodgy diversion which we followed. Got a bit lost, found this incredible road and then decided it's three o'clock in the afternoon. We really are quite peckish and took a few turnings, found this little, tiny little village and we walked into this like hotel pub type place and there was the matriarch of the hotel mama mama something her name was can't remember and she basically would not she couldn't speak english but she would not let us leave we had to sit down and she made a great big massive table for us and she just kept bringing food and just fed us with these amazing like three course meals lunch in spain in northern spain in particular is a big affair isn't it yeah much more than Evening, evening yeah, snacks and drinks. That's right, yeah, tapas, isn't it, in the evening? And it goes back to the Franco days, doesn't it? When, you know, the communist sort of time. And it's when 
He, I he think brought, Frank would be upset if you called him a communist. Oh, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> he's no, pretty no. busy shooting him. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a political type person. Fascist. 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 Sorry, fascist. But anyway, he brought in a rule where where those that worked the land, he he wanted everybody to be able to have access to one good meal a day. So he basically made it a law that anywhere that served food had to serve the, like the, the menu of the day, they call it. That's what it, it's still known as that now. And that was a three-course dinner, which was like, for, now you get it for like 10 euros, 15 euros or whatever. But it was so the working man and woman could go in there and buy good quality dinner, and that was them. They were fed for the day because they provided the food and the produce for the country. And that still to this day goes on. So the main lunch, lunch is like the main d- meal over there. And it's huge. <laughs> <laughs> Massive. You ask for the stew, and they basically bring a cauldron, and that's for you. <laughs> you can sit and eat that. Um, but it does make riding in the afternoon a little bit tricky at times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So watch that if you're over there, because you'll you'll be too you'll be too stuffed and tired to ride. Right. Next one. In fact, let's do another shout out, shall we? Yes. Uh, so we are also sponsored by the Influencer Store. Now I've got some blurb to read out for Roger and Charlotte. The Influencer Store helps build your brand, big or small, providing you with a solution and apparel. We help you to increase your fan base while supporting you with starting your own influencer clothing line with nothing more than just an idea or design and there are no hidden costs. For more info, come check us out at theinfluencerstore.co.uk or drop us an email at online at influencerstore.co.uk for more information. Now, if you've got any Teapot One merch, of which I'm not wearing, sorry, Roger and Charlotte, apologies. Um, If you go to teapot1.com, go to the shop, all my merch is handled by the Influencer Store. Um, they do TMF, they do Lamb Chops, Richie Vida, uh, Tins on Tour, uh, Girl on a Bike. They do loads of the other YouTuber, influencer type people. Um, reason I personally went with them, I used to use Spreadshirt, I used to use Teespring, you know, the print-on-demand type stuff. And the quality was key, to be honest. It really wasn't good. A couple of washes and it was done. Uh, Roger and Charlotte really pride themselves on good quality kits. They um, they handle everything themselves. They print in-house most of the time as well and embroider in-house most of the time as well. So you really are supporting a very close family business when you, when you buy through them. It's good quality stuff. Head there. Can't recommend it enough. And you also help me out because I get a little bit of a slice of commission on any sort of uh, merch that you buy. So massive thanks if you've already bought some. And to thank you very much, Roger and Charlotte, for your support. Right, another question. Are you are you all right? Do you need to go to the toilet? No, I know I'm, you're old. Are you okay? I'm not that bloody old. I don't think I'm, he's peed the entire day. I've had about nine. I've got a four hundred mile tank range, mate. It's fine. <laughs> uh, oh, here we go. Sorry, Simon. I forgot you had a second question, pal. So Simon Lewis, he also asks second random question: If you had to describe yourself as an animal, which would it be and why? Safe travels and best wishes from Yorkshire. Cheers, Simon. Right, animal. Well, probably a giraffe because they're quite tall. <laughs> really? Well, that's that's yeah. wow. Um, tall, docile, quite quiet, yeah. handsome, obviously. Obviously, obviously. I'd like to think a gorilla for me, but that's purely because I quite like just to sit around and. Well, I don't pick me bum, but you know, I quite like just sitting round. And whenever you see a gorilla, it's just 
sat around, isn't it? Not doing yeah. much. They get cro- really angry. They get cross periodically, don't they? Well, yeah, that's I think it. that's me. I get quite annoyed at times. Um, what's my spirit animal? The sloth. Definitely mine's the sloth. Mm. Spirit animal for me. I think some dogs. Some dogs, like a big, slobbery, hairy dog. That's probably <laughs> mine. Um, I'd love to be able to lick my balls, but I can't. And... Um, I quite like the fact they just sort of sit around and they always seem to be happy when, when people start talking to them because I am too. I'll go with dog. Yeah. But not one of those tiny little weed and yappy things. <laughs> Although, sorry, buddy, buddy biker dog. Sorry, he's a chihuahua. But you know what I mean. Uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Christie. Evening, gents. What is the most awkward thing you've had to pack on your motorcycle? Also, have you ever lost anything off your bike that you've not secured properly? Awkward thing that you've had to pack. Lasagna. <laughs> Go on then, elaborate. No, I genuinely did. I I told my girlfriend I was going to cook dinner, um, which is fine, but she lives 30 miles from me. So I made a seafood lasagna and then decided I wanted to, I wasn't going to go in the car, go on the bike. So I had to pack it and transport it without it ejecting itself. Got there. Fine. Yeah. Bunch of flowers. Yeah, flowers are really hard, aren't yeah. they? Yeah, I did that on a jigsaw. <laughs> jigsaw. And um, I bought I bought the flowers at the supermarket, and I had to get from the supermarket to uh, Nikki's flat in Watford at the time, which wasn't far. It's only a mile or so, but I'm on a jigsaw, and I was just like, how am I going to do this? Did she think she was being stalked when you got there? <laughs> Wee! <laughs> that is the worst. Tell everyone your joke. Tell everybody your joke. Yeah, Someone sent my girlfriend some flowers with all the heads cut off. I think she was being stalked. Honestly, like I've had this for two <laughs> days so far. Just dad joke after dad joke. Anyway, I try and lose him, but I can't. He's too quick. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, well, I, I managed to get the flowers back home, but literally just like resting on the tank. So that was a bit tricky. Uh, what was the other thing? Oh, have you ever lost anything? Yes. A few things, actually. Cameras. I've had cameras jump off. Yeah. I've had a sat nav jump off. Kept Ooh. saying, go through the tunnel, go through the tunnel. I'm going, no, I'm going parlor coal. I'm going to go over the over the pass. And about four or five turns in, it just jumped off. It's like, oh, sod you then. Just giving up. Yeah. Not <laughs> taking my advice, I'll get off. I just um, stop pick it up. I had, again, I'd not been riding too long. I was on Jixar and I was heading up to Scotland to pick up my son because we were going to go touring all around Scotland, and I had loads of camp. I had a tent, load of camping equipment, and at the time I had the Oxford Sport panniers, you know those textile ones? Yeah, yeah I've got to say they're good. And I had uh, a dual exhaust Jixar at the time. Oh. Yeah, and I was going around the M25, I was in a fast lane, not massively quick, um, and this fire blade appeared behind me, and he was behind me for quite a while, trying to get by in traffic. And then all of a sudden he undertook me and he pulled up alongside me and I thought, oh God, he's looking at me and he's 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 going like this, point, pointing down at my bike and then pointing at the hard shoulder. And I thought, oh no, he's unmarked. It's an unmarked bike. I'm done. So I made my way to the, um, the hard shoulder, near Heathrow it was, and I've stopped. 
And before I could get my lid off, this guy came running at me and he was like frantic. He was jumping around on the hard shoulder. I thought, bloody hell, this copper's a bit off his nut here. And as I took my helmet and took my earplugs out, all I could hear was, fire, you're on fire. And I looked around and my panniers had slipped and, and gone onto the exhaust. And basically they'd burnt through and all my camping equipment, sleeping bag, everything had just gone on fire. So I must have been like a, like a shot playing in a dogfight going around the M25 <laughs> so yeah I had to dump it all at the side of the road and, and buy a whole load of new stuff when I got to Scotland that was awesome before I um, managed to start work on motorcycle magazines I edited a guitar magazine and we went to a big editors conference and one of our other magazines that we published when it was still a paper thing was Superbike and the editor at the time arrived with nothing because he'd got some luggage, had the worked out how the uh, stuff fastened, and apparently just headed off to this editors' meeting, yeah, overnight thing, string pants and shirts and stuff behind him all for the whole length of the M25, and arrived with just an empty shell of luggage on the back of the bike. Brilliant! And like, mate, have you not been riding bikes for very long? <laughs> Genius. I did that in France. Me and my, uh, my mate Jimbo, I had the Ventura luggage system on the back yeah, of the very clever time. stuff, yeah. It was when it first came out. So I bought that and had that on the back. And we, Jimbo and I, he had, I think he had the Fireblade at that point, and I had the Jigsaw out, and we decided we were going to do the, the old roll-on race. So... Um, it was it was a case of see who backed out first. So we we have these things to the stock just pinned on these French motorways, and I in fact no he had the R six I had a Jixa thought. So I've I've overtaken him as it's got up. That's to, a bit of an unfair yeah, fight, yeah, really. Yeah, Jimbo was rapid though; he was proper quick. But um, yeah, I've I've obviously got quicker than him top end, and as I've overtaken him. Um, I thought, yes, this is me. So I'm crouched down, pinned. And when I rolled off, he all of a sudden, he's caught, caught up with me. And again, he's looking at me and he's like, pull over, pull over, pull over. But I wasn't sure if he was crying or laughing. So pulled over and same thing. What's happened? He's behind me. And he said, all he saw was like a snake charmer. He just saw this thing coming out the back of my bag. And it was like a pair of bo- a t-shirt or a boxer shorts or something. But same thing. All this stuff started. The, bike, the bag had worked its way open. And all my kit just came flying out the back of the... <laughs> Flacking out the, the, the bag off the back of the bike. Yeah, so there's there's a couple of my skanky boxer shorts all around France. Anyway, I lost a, I lost a one-piece rain suit once going up the M6 as well. That fell out. Well, no, it, 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 it worked its way out of the bungee net that I had it um, on the back of the bike, and it wrapped around the chain and locked my back wheel. Oh, at stupid speed in the fast lane. That's not good. Yeah, yeah. And I drifted from lane three to the hard shoulder. <laughs> that was uh, that was one of those moments when you get off and just need a word with yourself for a while. Anyway, um, yeah, check check your luggage, folks. Michael Heaton, has Simon done the route for the NC five hundred yet? And are you going through that golf club for a haddock wrap? Also, tell Simon my roots are better than his. Come on, what's the story with this? <laughs> Michael is a very lovely man, and his roots are very nearly as good as mine. <laughs> no, he's, he's Michael does all the things that I do. Mm-hmm. He will sit off and explore, and then he thinks about it, and he, he works out what's the best way to glue these roads together so that they flow. Right. Um, so, yeah. 
if if I wasn't doing this, Michael should be. <laughs> but I am, so he can stay doing what he's doing. Um, and we will try the haddock wrap. Um, but yeah. It's haddock if, wrap? Yeah, it, it does make it sound really appealing. But bear in mind, I have to tell you, viewers, Michael is the man who explained to me that when you're looking for your five a day, grass is a vegetable. Cows eat that. Cows produce milk. Milk gets turned into chocolate. Chocolate is just processed grass. It's one of your five a day. So, Michael, I think I, I, I we'll get on, mate. Absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Brother but, from another mother, by the yeah. sound of it. So the haddock wrap we will try. NC500, yeah. I, you know, that's only been going since, what, 2017, 2008? What did they name that? It's only about five years old. You know, I've been doing that since about... 2001. Well, you've you've now got the South Coast 500, and you've yeah. got the East Coast 500, which yeah. we need to go and try. Yeah, is there a, was there a West Coast 500? No, I I can put one together. Um, <laughs> it, I mean, to be honest, if you want to do that, that's the Wild Atlantic Way in Ireland. Good point. That that's your your proper West Coast. That's that's an awesome ride. Not that done is. that yet. No. I'm wanting to get over this year, but um, the take, bank manager's take not going to allow that. Take a and then yeah. enjoy it, yeah. <laughs> uh, second last question, Charlie Callard. Evening, guys. Hope you're both well. How are you doing, Charlie? So my question, if you could give any advice or tips when riding, what would it be? Keep them shiny side up, Charlie. That, that is a good tip, actually. <laughs> Keep them shiny side yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the main thing is always look where you want to go. Yeah. Um, and especially if you scare yourself, really look where you want to go. Mm. And and don't tense up. I mean, the biggest skill really is learning to go floppy and just let the bike sort it out. Look where you want to end up. Comes with age. Uh, yeah, it does. It's time to that prostate thing for you. <laughs> um, but yeah, if the second you tense up, second you look where you don't want to go, that's where you're going to end up. Yeah. Just relax, you know, just, you know, it, it is all about not fighting the bike because the bike's going to win. You know, mm. your one man power, that's several hundred yeah, yeah. horsepower, you know, it, well, maybe not several hundred, but it's, it's a lot stronger than you are. So you've got to actually work with it, not work against it. Um, and just really read, learn to read the road, look way, way, way ahead, turn your head more, move your body more. Mm. And just, yeah, just relax. Um, if you have never, ever done anything like bike safe or or, or you've, you're not aware of what roadcraft is, then um, this sounds really shit. I don't, I don't mean it to be a self-promotion thing. Check out any bike safe vids on YouTube. There's loads out there. I've just done like t- uh, two myself, well, one, but split into two myself. That'll give you a taste of what bike safe is. Um, bike safe will give you a taster of of roadcraft which is like um, it's sort of the the IEM Rosper bible almost it's just it's the basics about road positioning vision all this sort of stuff you know how to no, keep no basics Bruce advanced, adva- advanced. Adva- it's advanced apparently <laughs> but it's just simple things about positioning on a road you know if you if you're doing like how to read a bend there's a thing called a vanishing point a limit point um that will explain what that is. And if you if you don't know what that is, that that together with positioning will totally change 
how you read a road. You know, you might not even read a road. You might literally just react to everything. And that, to be honest, is the worst way to be. You you need to, to read the situation ahead. You need to read the road. You need to read the road signs and know what they mean. You need to look at the furniture. You need to look at the hedges and the trees and sort of preempt and... and d- you know, have a good idea where the road's going next and is there any traffic joining from the side. So you can start putting all these bits of information together to build up like an ongoing plan in your head about what you're going to do for the next section of road and how you're going to react if anything's there. All comes with experience. But um, Bike Safe will just give you a nice little taster of that and then you might decide to go and take some further training whether that's with IAM it's ROSPA uh, I've just done stuff with the rapid which for me is fantastic they, I, I really like the rapid training uh, sort of outlook on it they're not they're not telling you this is the best way to be they're like this might help your style of riding you know IAM and ROSPA are a wee bit too tight for me a bit too constrictive for me personally not everybody thinks that way but for me I think they are um, rapid for me is more about they look at your style of riding and uh, and try and teach you techniques for how you ride. But anyway, yeah, that just um, get a little bit of further training, Charlie, is what I'd suggest. And all the details, because I'm an instructor, are on my website. Which is? <laughs> simonweir.co.uk. But yeah, just plug in, plug in, plug in. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the trick, the best tip really is, yeah, the shortcut to experience is instruction. Go out with someone good and learn from them. It, it's like learning anything, though, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Riding is a skill, and you can either try and figure it out yourself or you can get help. If you're going to try and cook for the first time, you might not poison yourself, or you can read a cookbook, or you can get a cookery lesson. Which one's going to get you the best results fastest? It's the same thing. Mm. Learn, Find ways to learn from other people. Yeah. But don't learn from lunatics. That's the trick. Yeah, that, that's a problem, isn't it? In that it, it's quite hard sometimes, especially when you first start. For you, you might you might look at somebody that is careering around corners and going really quick, and you might think, "Bloody hell, they know what they're doing." But do they? Yeah. Are they just lucky? You know, are are they? It's a big opener for me because I I I was a I was a nutter. I was a lunatic before, and I thought I was perfectly in control. But I plainly wasn't, you know. I, I went through a couple of stages where I had a few accidents, and that was at much lower speed, and I still couldn't react to what was going on. That that was a big change to my riding was realizing that I wasn't able to react, and stop. Even if I could react, I couldn't stop in the distance. I could see it to be clear on my side of the road. Blah 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 blah. It's all the, the no. So once once you start get your own abilities, you you start to realize what your own abilities here, what your genuine own abilities are, not what you perceive them to be, but what they actually are. It does have an impact on your riding, I think, for sure. It slows you right down in certain places. Yeah, I mean, I remember interviewing John Reynolds Mm -hmm. literally just after he'd won his third championship, um, and he was sort of sitting, signing things for fans, and I was talking to him at the same time. Um, and a standard question is, how was it for you this year? He said, yeah, I learned loads. And I think that's the, the biggest thing. Every time you're on the bike, you can be learning. This guy's just won his third British Superbike Championship, mm. and he's still looking for ways to learn. And that, more than anything else, changed the way I, that I looked at my riding. So I'm still looking to learn more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, yeah, Charlie, just... I mean, time on a bike's a biggie, isn't it? Mm. Just get get out there and get miles. So yeah. y- you're just getting more and more experience there. Riding the rain, riding the cold, riding the heat, uh, ride at night. Uh, you know, just get out there and experience lots of different environments on the bike. Um, and dare I say it, try a bit of off-road because that can never harm your riding. Oh, <clears throat> But it, it genuinely... Or your collarbones. Or your collarbones. But all, all, riding off-road will always help your road riding it, because you're, you're gaining bike control, for sure. Okay. Nice one. Cheers, Charlie. Um, last one. Matt Thompson. Hi, guys. Hope you're both well. Thanks for your work on providing of the routes, Simon. Question to both. In all your miles of riding, what is the weirdest thing you've seen or done during a trip, on or off the bike? Many thanks. I don't think the true answer to that would be publishable, but <laughs> broadcastable. Wow. Um, the weirdest things. Oh. No, I'm, I'm, you'll have to go first on this one. I've got to oh, think. Man, I'm frantically <laughs> racking my brains. The weirdest thing I've seen on or off a bike. Well, we were talking about him today, uh, the guy Stan I interviewed, who he's thinking I've seen everything on the bike. I've seen people fighting i've seen naked people I've seen naked people fighting <laughs> yeah if you do enough miles you see all kinds of strange stuff um but yeah ever been overtaken by a horse a horse yeah yeah no no it literally when you're stuck in traffic and the only thing moving is the horse walking down the side of the road that's quite <laughs> embarrassing I remember riding through a herd of cows um, coming over a pass called Colle de Morti, the Hill of the Dead, initially. And on one side of it, there's a big dairy farm. And trying to pick our way down through it, me and a, a Swiss journalist, um, as the farmer is bringing his cows down from the top, down to the milking parlour. And you're kind of trickling through, trying to elbow your way through these cows, which are only a big, big cows. And one of them gets a bit spooked, and yeah, getting overtaken by a cow—that's a bad thing as well. <laughs> I'm trying to think. They're bound to have been some stuff, but I can't. Nothing's jumping out at me. Um, What's the strangest animal you've encountered then? Emu. Emu. Yeah. It's the dumbest animal I have ever <laughs> met in my life. They take—they take pheasants to a whole new level. They are thick as mints. Um, yeah, emu in Australia. Nuts. What about you? Emu is quite... I found emu unsettling because they're just... They look like they're clockwork or something. They're not not natural. The dinosaurs, aren't yeah, they? You said yeah, that very, earlier. very strange. Yeah, um, yeah Tasmanian... Have you seen Tassie devils? Uh, no. You, sadly, you see a lot of them having a little sleep by the roadside. They're, they're endangered, and every now and then you'll see, I think, four dead ones. Saw one live one scuttle across. It's really bloody fast. Strangest thing I've seen. But it was, is that a big cat? No. It was, no, no, that'll be a devil, mate. I saw an elephant in Thailand. Yeah? Yeah, yeah, it came around the corner. It was a load of, a load of, a load of elephants. No, they were, um, uh-huh. you know, you get these elephant sanctuary type places. Yeah. There was a load of them crossing the road and going in. Yeah. And again, thanks to GoPro, I didn't get it on um, the GoPro because I had the GoPro Hero One, oh, maybe the two, 
at that point when I went mm. on the trip, and it was horrendous, absolute dog poo. Uh, so it wasn't working. Um, yeah, so I missed that one. Uh, what else have I seen? I mean, kangaroos obviously are a constant pain in the ass. Yeah, and they're massive. Yeah, <laughs> bloody be. huge kangaroos. Uh, what else have I seen? Yeah. I saw a sign for a panther in Florida in the Everglades. Did you see the panther? No, I never saw the panther. Yeah. But just you know, you get like over here, you get duck crossing yeah. and all that sort of stuff. There was a panther. Actually, I think I took a picture of it. Actually, yeah, picture for panthers in the Everglades. Um, yeah. I've seen, I've seen bears. Um, that's quite interesting. I saw what kind of bears? Uh, I don't know. Shy. Um, it was on the uh, Blue Ridge Parkway, so getting down towards the, the bottom end. And I saw it maybe 100 yards ahead and first direction slamming on the brakes. And as I was slowing down, I thought, this is stupid. What if I stop right next to it and <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, cross? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> By which point it turned around and just disappeared in the bushes. You know, it obviously is it's not stupid enough to hang around and talk to motorcyclists. I, I, was, in, I was in Romania um, a few weeks ago and I split from the group, the Canary Motorcycles group, because they they weren't going to do the transfer garrison because it was supposed to be shut. So they decided they were going to go to, uh, uh, is it Brad Castle? Yeah. They, they were going there. Yeah. And I thought, well, we go by the bottom of the transfer garrison. We've got to do the transfer garrison. So I thought, well, I'll go early and I'll try and do that and then I'll meet them yep. at the castle. So I went early and I did it and I I, I got to the dam um, in fact, on the way to the dam, I came through one of the tunnels and there was a bear, a, a brown bear, a male, like young brown bear at the side. As you came through the tunnel, he was literally like hang, almost like hanging over with his elbow on the, on the parapet, on the, the, the barrier at the side there. And, and it, I sort of rode by thinking, that's a bear, you know, stopped up the top of the road and thought, I've got to go back and, and try and get footage of this. So I did exactly that. I turned around and started riding back. I'm filming. I've got it all on camera. You'll see it when I edit the vid. And as I was getting towards it, I did exactly the same as you. And I thought, that's a wild bear. <laughs> that, that, that eats people. What am I doing? <laughs> so I sort of stopped short and thought, oh, thank you. I sort of stopped short and thought, right, this is a bad idea. I've got it on camera. That'll do. Turned around, went, went up to the reservoir thinking, well, that's my once-in-a-lifetime experience with bears. Yeah. And as I carried on and going, working my way up the transfer garrison, I saw another three. Wow. I, um, at least two females with cubs, and I've got pictures of them. I took screenshots. It's all on video. And then I saw another big male um, at the side of the road. They were just, it was like 10, half 10 in the morning, and they were just out in the morning sun. It was wow. amazing. When and we, then the road was shut up the top, so I had to come back again. <laughs> when we did the launched the K-16. Um, that was in South Africa in Stellenbosch. And there's one point we're riding through one of the mountains to get to the coast, and there's a troop of baboons across the road. Oh, wow. Yeah, you say that. They're, they're not, vicious. They're not cute little things. They're, they're human size. The big ones are like you know, men on all fours with teeth like yeah. hyenas or something. Yeah. Massive, looking very unpleasant and cross. Uh, it's not just the spanked asses, they just look grumpy. Um, and that was a bit of a kind of slow down so you don't spook them. Because they're all sat around the, the road. One or two were on the road, got off the way as the first bikes got there. And there were maybe, what, four or five of us riding together. 
Yeah, one of those things gets cro- that's going to win an arm wrestling match. Oh, aye. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to want to muck around with those. Yeah, rip you apart. Yeah, yeah. Um, have you ever seen a moose? No, I've, I've well, not on the. I've seen on a on a nice big grassy slope. You see, is that, and it's gone. Hmm. And you think it's it's either a big deer or is it a small moose? Can't tell. Moose are enormous. Yeah. In like elephant, they are huge, way bigger than I ever thought they were. Yeah. I thought they were just a big deer. Uh-uh. These things are massive, huge. Um, I was in Norway, and I was going through Norway, heading down into Finland, and going along a bit of road. And I remember look, I'd always wanted to see the moose, and thought, oh, well, we'll see. I don't know, but I looked over to the right, out into the sort of uh, clearing. Way, way off, like, you know, 500 metres away. And I saw a moose in the clearing and it ran straight into the woods. And I was like, oh, that's my opportunity. That's the moose. That's the only yeah. moose I'm ever going to see. Fast forward a day or two and I'm coming down through Finland, right up in the very top. And it's really woodland, wooded up there. So it's just a road going through this wooded area. I came round the corner and there are two moose like 300 metres away from me in the road. Well, I'm assuming a big male and a female. And um, I sort of stopped, I stopped the bike and I went into my tank bag to get my phone. And as I got as I got the phone out, like ready to take a picture, I'm looking through the viewfinder of the phone and I'm looking at this thing charging at me. And I was just like, oh! So I just dropped the phone into the tank bag, turned the bike on, hit the ignition, and I just get put the pulled the clutch in and gave it an almighty like like that. And this thing literally screeched to a halt, looked at me, and then trotted off into the woods. Gone. <sighs> It was enormous. Jesus. Have you ever seen the? Um, there's a YouTube clip. I think it's in. It's either in. I think it's in Canada or America somewhere. But they're on. They're on like a, like a freeway. You know where where they have when you see the the police camera action type stuff yeah. when they're doing police chases and they go across the median in the middle that grassy yeah. bit. It's it's like that. So you've got cars going one way, cars going the other. But the cars are going really slow because there is this enormous moose in that middle bit just walking up the road. And you see it on camera. This thing looks like the size of an elephant. <laughs> and you think, oh, it must be it must be a trick. Yeah. But then a car comes alongside it and it dwarfs the car. It's yeah. huge. Have you seen buffalo? No, never. No, they're, I mean, they're not elephant sized. They're quite big. Uh, I've, I've seen them a couple of times in... In South Dakota, um, in a place called uh, Wind Cave National Park. Right. And then in Yellowstone, where you're, you're pretty much guaranteed to see them. Um, in Yellowstone, massive traffic jam. And the, you know they don't like you filtering mm. in, in America. So you kind of sit there feeling like an idiot when you think, I could just overtake all this lot. I'll just filter. And then you realize, oh, they're stopping there because there's like a hundred buffalo just slowly walking across. Yeah. And these things are the size of sort of SUVs, the the big <laughs> ones. And they're, they're just Yeah, and they're very strange. I've one walk between the car in front of me and the car in front of that. And it was yeah, bloody massive. <laughs> and I think I'm quite glad they're peaceful herbivores because you don't want to get them cross. I'm um Ma, I'm th- I've been thinking obviously we- I started saying, oh, I can't think of anything weird. And we've just given you like 
Doctor Doolittle and all his animal <laughs> adventures yeah. here. But um, something that I did remember when I was coming down through, I think it was Indonesia, like working my way down through the islands and stuff there, is I saw, you know the picture you see of the moped with like the fridge freezer on the back and the entire family? Yeah. I pretty much saw that. I remember seeing that where he more or less did have a, a proper full-on fridge freezer thing on the back of a motorbike balanced on a bit of wood with the whole family sat alongside it it's crazy isn't it what you see in other places people just do everything on mopeds they'll get the entire family on there five people crazy isn't it yeah um yeah does happen it's not made up right that's all the questions have i given all the shout outs I think you've got one more to do, haven't you? Uh, there is one more, and that's that's to you. That's to all you. All you people, especially in the clan over on Patreon. So a massive thank you to all your uh, to all of you for your support. I literally couldn't couldn't do this full time without your help, so I am forever indebted to you. Thank you very much for that. Folks, if you're not part of the clan and you fancy checking it out, head to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash teapot one and check it out there. You don't have to, and if you do, it's entirely up to you how, whatever sort of level you choose to commit to. You can change it every, uh, change it month by month as well if you want. But anyway, and anyone else that's listening now to the podcast, thank you very much for downloading it and listening to it. If you enjoy the podcast, please make sure you lead, leave a review either on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It is a huge help. It really does help the algorithm decide who they promote and who they don't. If you're watching the video, make sure you ding-dong that so, uh, subscribe button and smash the bell as well please it's a huge help um simon anything you want to give a plug out for not really just please visit the website simonweir.co.uk there's routes there's stories um if you want me to plan a trip for you i can do that if you want to come get some instruction i can do that for you um but yeah links to all the books there links to all the routes just spend more time on the bike and if you're not sure where to go and ride hopefully the website will help you find somewhere good Awesome. Um, genuinely, folks, genuinely, I've used lots of other sort of routy type places before I sort of found Simon and, and we become mates. You know your stuff. He definitely does know his stuff. There's a reason he's the, the best in the world at what he does. So make sure you check that out. You're on socials as well, aren't you? Yeah, just tall Simon Weir on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Are you not on TikTok yet? No, I can't dance, mate. I've got two left feet. My girlfriend says my feet look like they come from two different people because they're so badly broken. You, you, have got, you have got weird feet. Very weird feet. Yeah, um, smashed up a bit. <laughs> right, massive thanks for coming on again, Simon. Much appreciated. Folk, check out the YouTube channel over on Teapot One uh, YouTube channel. Check out the A to Z uh, bike, uh, Britain for Bikers playlist for all the vids there that we'll have. And I'm assuming we'll probably have a look at like Bikers Britain and Bikers Europe and all uh, that yeah, given we'll, time at we'll, some point. We'll tick off all of it at some point. At some point. At some point. We'll be 80 years of age in years to come and we'll have probably got through one of the books, maybe. Maybe half, yeah. <laughs> all right, folks, hope you've enjoyed this one. Huge thanks to the you clan members for your questions. Keep on doing your thing. Get on out there whenever you possibly can. Look after those that you love. But most importantly, most importantly, live your life. See you later, folks. Woo-ha! Dude, how was that? All right?